Ehia Olumuddin by Imam Ghazali Volume 2 Chapter 2 Secrets of Marriage Merits and Demerits Know, O dear readers, that there are differences of opinion amongst learned men about the merits of marriage. Some say that for divine service marriage is better. Some say that to remain unmarried is a means of increasing divine services. The following are the proofs that marriage is better. God says, marry your widows. God says, don't prevent them in taking husbands. God says, in praising the prophets. I have sent prophets before you and given them wives and children. By this, God gives superiority to marriage. The prophets also prayed for good children. God says, They pray, O our Lord, give us such wives and children out of our descendants who will console your eyes, our eyes, and make the good, make God-fearing among them leaders. Out of the prophets, Jesus Christ did not marry, but he will marry after his second advent. The sayings of the Prophet. The Prophet said, Marriage is my sunnah, whose diverts from my sunnah is not of me. He said, Marriage is my way, who loves my conduct should follow my way. He said, Unite in marriage tie, your numbers will increase. I will boast justly on seeing your numbers on the day of judgment in comparison with the followers of others. He said, he who does not marry fearing poverty is not from me. He said, Let them marry who have got means. He said, Let him marry who has got the strength as marriage shuts up the eyes, sight and protects the private parts. Let him fast who has got no means to marry as fasting is for him like castration. Castration means to remove sexual passion. Fasting brings weakness of the body. The Prophet said, When a man comes to you whose religion and trust pleases you, give in marriage to him. If you do not do it, there will be disasters and quarrels in the world. This encouragement has been given, fearing disturbances and disorder. He said, He who marries and gives in marriage becomes entitled to God's care. He said, He who marries fulfills half of his religion. Let him fear God for the second half. Generally, private parts and belly create disorder in the religion of a man. Marriage removes that disorder. The Prophet said, The actions of a man come to an end except for three. Number one, a religion issues who prays for him. Number two, a rec recurring charity. Number three, a religious book. A religious issue is impossible without marriage. That means a religious child. Wise sayings of the sages. Omar ibn al-Khattab said, Two things prevent marriage, inability and being a sinner. It appears from this that religion does not prohibit marriage. Ibn Abbas said, No divine service becomes complete without marriage. Omar ibn al-Khattab married many wives and said, I marry for children. A companion renunciated the world and stayed with the Prophet and passed nights with the Prophet. He said to him, Will you not get married? He said, O Apostle of God, I am a poor man, I have got no means. Shall I be deprived of rendering service to you? 
The Prophet remained silent. He again told this to him and he replied the same as before. The companion then thought within his mind, the Apostle of God is well aware which thing brings us near God and that what will be good in this world and the next. I shall certainly marry. The Prophet said to him for the third time, Will you not marry? He said, O Prophet of God, get me married. A certain hermit was superior for divine service to all the people of his time, and when his case was mentioned to the Prophet of his age, he said, How good he is, but he has given up one habit. Being grieved, he asked the Prophet about it, and the Prophet said, You have not married. He said, I am a poor man, I have got no means to bear its expense. He said, I will give my daughter in marriage to you. This is what he did. And this was Ali, and he eventually had four wives. In short, a marriage is a part of Sunnah and the practices of the Prophets. A man asked Ibrahim bin Avam, Good news to you, you can engage yourself in divine service as you are alone. He said, Your prayers in the midst of your family is better than my entire divine service. He asked, Then why do you not marry? He said, I have got no necessity of women. I don't wish to retain connections with any women. Someone said the rank of a married man in comparison with that of an unmarried man is equal to the rank of a mujahid in comparison with a abid, which is a worshipper. One raka prayer of a married man is better than 70 rakat prayer of an unmarried man. Reasons for not marrying The Prophet said, after 200 years, a man who will have no wife and children will be better. A time will come over men when he will be destroyed by his wife, parents and children. Then will give him, they will give him so much trouble which will be out of his capacity. As a result, he will adopt such measures for which his religion will be ruined and he will be destroyed. The Prophet said, one of the two reasons of wantlessness is a less number of family members. One of the two reasons of poverty is having too many people. Abu Suleiman Durani was once asked about marriage and he replied, Patience of not having a wife is better than having patience of duty towards her. And the patience of duties towards her is better than the patience of hellfire. He also said, He who searches for three things becomes attached to the world. 1. Searching for livelihood. 2. Marrying a woman. and 3. Writing stories. Hassan bin Ali said, When God wishes good for a man, he does not keep him engaged in ma family and property. The benefits of marriage. There are five benefits of marriage. Number 1. To have children. Number 2. To control sexual passion. Number 3. To find peace of mind. Number four, to increase divine service. Number five, to get rewards of duties towards the family. Number one, to have children. This is the root cause for which marriage is contracted. The objective is to preserve dynasty and the earth not existing without men. Four objectives are fulfilled in having children. Number one, the increase of mankind. Number two, the love of the prophet is searched by increasing his followers. Number three, after death, the prayers of religious children are sought. Number four, if the child dies before death, their intercession is sought on the day of judgment. First objective is very subtle and not with an easy comprehension of man. 
It is a natural truth and the following is its proof. Take for instance that an owner of a land handed over the seeds of crops and instruments of civilization to a servant and gave him also the land for cultivation. The servant did not cultivate it, kept the instruments useless and destroyed the seeds. It is clear that he became then an object of wrath for his master. Similarly, God created men and women and he created life from germ for production of children in the back of a man and the breast of a woman. The uterus is the fertile field and the male organ and the female organ are the instruments of civilization and cultivation. He also created sexual passion in the male and female for creating children by using the instruments of their organs. These prove the objectives of God. The Prophet also create, clearly proved it by saying, Marry and keep dynasty. He who does not marry destroys the seeds and keeps the instruments useless and idle and goes against the objective of God. For this reason, to kill the child and to bury it alive has been prohibited. Question may be asked that when the object of God is to preserve dynasty, then why he prescribed its destruction by death? Life and death, though opposed to each other, are within the will of God, as love and hatred, though opposed to each other, are within the will of God. God says he does not love infidelity for his servants. There is in a hadith, Qudsi, that God said, I feel no greater grief for anything than to take the life of my Muslim servant. He considers death as disliking to him and I don't like to trouble him, but there is no escape from death. God says, I have prescribed death upon you. He says, I have created life and death. So the words of God, I have fixed death among you and I don't wish to inflict trouble on him. These two verses are not opposed to each other, but they express the truth. This is the will of God. Number two, the second objective of children. By marriage, love is expressed towards the prophet and efforts are made to increase his followers as he will boast for increased numbers of his followers on the day of judgment. The prophet said, a prison is a corner of a house is better than a childless woman. He said, amongst your women, a lovely woman producing many children is better. He said, an ugly woman with children is better than a beautiful woman having no children. It appears from the above traditions that the objective of marriage is to get children and not only satisfaction of sexual passion. The third objective of children, if anybody leaves religion, a religious son or a daughter, then he or she may pray for his dead parents. There is in a hadith that the actions of a man end by death except for three actions. He mentioned amongst them a religious child. The Prophet said the invocations are presented like the layers of light of a dead man. If a child is religious, his parents get the rewards of his pious actions and invocations as he is earning for his parents, but his parents are not punished for his sins as nobody bears the burden of another. God says, I will attach them to their children, and they will suffer no loss owing to their evil actions, but their good deeds will be increased owing to the good deeds of the children. Number four, fourth object of children. 
If a child dies before his father or mother, he will make intercession for his father or mother. The Prophet said a child will carry his parents towards paradise. There is in another hadith, he will draw his parents as I draw cloth. He said, it will be said to the child, enter paradise. He will go to the door of paradise and say in an angry manner, I will not enter paradise without my parents. Then it will be said to him, admit his parents along with him in paradise. There is in another hadith, the children will be brought along with other men in the place of judgment. The angels will be said, take their children to paradise. They will be waiting at the doors of paradise. They will say, welcome to the Muslim children. Enter and there is no account on you. They will say, where are your parents? The gods will reply, your parents are not like you. They have got sins and faults for which they will be summoned and they will be called on account. Then they will become angry and make tremendous noise before paradise. God will say, what is this cry for? Then they will disclose the above said. God will say, leave them all so that they can take their parents to paradise. The Prophet said, he who's got two children died before him will be safe from hell. He said, God will admit out of his mercy one those three children who have not attained puberty pre-diseased him. He was asked, O Messenger of God, if two of them are pre-diseased, he said, even if two of them are pre-diseased. Number two, the second benefit of marriage is to be safe from the devil, to satisfy lust and to save the private parts. The Prophet said, if a man marries, half of his religion is saved. Fear God for the remaining half. The Prophet said, let one who is unable to marry fast, as fast for him is a means of controlling sexual passion. The pleasure which lies in sexual intercourse is only an example of next worldly happiness. There is no benefit in a thing of which there is no pleasure. A minor boy will not get any pleasure in sexual intercourse, nor any benefit in it. A boy shall not find any taste in rain nor is there any taste in it. God created pleasure of the world with this objective that if people have pleasure, they will be eager to have lasting pleasure in the next world. To get this pleasure, divine service is necessary. Marriage is a means of saving oneself from the oppression of sexual passion. Heart is the root of all actions of a traveler towards the next world. Ibn Abbas said, The worship of a man does not become perfect without divine service. God says that man has been created weak. Akram and Mujahid explain this that man cannot be patient regarding women. Faiz bin Nazih said, When a male organ of a man stands, incorrect, stands erect, two-thirds of his intellect goes away. God says, when there falls darkness of the night, seek refuge from its evil. Ibn Abbas said, regarding this, seek refuge from the devil when the ma male organ stands erect. The Prophet said, O God, I seek refuge from you when the evils of my ears, my heart and myself. He said, I pray to you for the purity of my mind and protection of my private parts. Junaid said, Sexual intercourse is as much necessary for me as food is necessary. The Prophet said, 
If the look of a man falls on my woman, let him turn it towards himself and cohabit with his wife. In that case, his evil desire will go away. Jabir reported that once the Prophet looked to a certain woman, he soon went to his wife Zainab and performed his necessities. After that, he came out and he said, If a woman comes in front, she comes as a devil. If one of you sees a woman who pleases him, let him come to his wife as what is near that woman is also near his wife. The Prophet said, Don't go to a woman in absence of her husband as the devil runs through your veins like the circulation of blood. We asked him, Is your case also like that? In my case also? But God has helped me over him and he has submitted to me. This means that I have saved, I have been saved from the waswasa or the machinations of the devil. Once a young man asked Ibn Abbas, I am a young man, I have got no wife, I fear sin in most cases and many a times I take out semen by my hand. Is there any sin in this? Ibn Abbas turned his face from him and said, Alas, it is better to marry a slave girl than this, but it is better than zina, which is fornication. Sexual passion is so strong in some men that one wife cannot satisfy him, and so there is a provision of marrying four wives. Ali took a wife seven days after the death of Fatima. It is said that Hassan also took many wives, but not more than four at a time. Hassan, the Prophet said to Hassan, You have got in your you have got in you my character and appearance. The Prophet said, Hassan is from me and Hussein is from Ali. Some of the companions had three or four wives and they also took two wives sometimes. Number three, the third benefit of marriage. Marriage brings peace of mind and there grows love between the couple. This peace of mind is necessary for divine service. God says he created you from a single person and created his mate from him so that he may find peace in her. Ali said, Give peace to mind as it is, as it becomes blind when it becomes disturbed. There is a hadith that there are three special times for a wise man. He speaks secretly with his God at one time, he takes account of his actions at another time, and he remains busy with his food and drink at another time. In another narration, a wise man is not desirous except three matters. Number one, to earn a livelihood for the next world. Number two, to earn a livelihood in this world and to take taste of lawful things. The Prophet said there is effort in every action and there is languor in every effort. He who takes languor goes towards my sunnah and guidance. The Prophet said, On complaint to Jibra'il about lessening of my sexual passions, he advised me to take harisa. The Prophet said, Three things are dear to me among your earthly matters. Number one, scent. Number two, women. Number three, prayer. The latter is the doll of my eyes, that is prayer. This, con this comfort is necessary for the peace of mind. The fourth benefit of marriage. Leisure is found for divine services. The wife lessens the duties of a man regarding cooking of food, spreading of the bed, cleansing of utensils and other, other duties. 
A chaste and a religious wife helps her husband in this manner. Suleiman Dharani said, A religious wife does not only appertain to three things of enjoyment of the world. Rather, such a woman is one of the instruments of the next world. She gives leisure to her husband for doing divine service by performing household duties and satisfying his sexual passion. The Prophet said, Let one of you have a grateful heart, a remembering tongue and a chaste wife helping him for the next world. Umar ibn al-Khattab said, Nothing is better. Nothing better has been given to a man after faith than a virtuous wife. No wealth is compared as valuable to a man as a chaste wife. The Prophet said, I have been given superiority over Adam salam, for two conducts. Adam's wife was his helper in a sinful act, but my wives are helpers in religious affairs. The devil was disobedient to Adam, but he has submitted to me and he orders me nothing but the truth. The fifth benefit of marriage. There are some duties arising out of marriage which are considered as divine service. To maintain a family, to have a patience at their character and conduct of wife, to bear the hardships of family members, to try to do good to them, to show them the path of religion, to earn for them lawful things and to educate the children. The Prophet said, One day, of a just ruler is better than divine service for 70 years. To rule a family is no less a task than that of a king. He said, Be careful, every one of you is a ruler and every one of you will be asked about his subjects. The Prophet said, When a man spends for his wife or family, it is considered an act of charity. Even if he lifts a morsel of food to the mouth of his wife, he will get rewards thereof. A learned man mentioned about his actions regarding his pilgrimage, jihad and other good works to another learned man. The second man said, You are far away in comparison with the religious acts of Abdals. He asked him, What are those? He said, Those are lawful earnings and expenses for family. The Prophet said, He whose prayer is good, has got, who has got a big family, whose wealth is little, and who abstains from defaming the Muslims, will live in paradise with me, like these two fingers. God loves poor people having big families and refraining from begging. There is another hadith that if the sins of a family members of a man becomes large, God tries them therewith, that they may remove their sins. A certain wise man said, there is a certain sin of which there is no expiation except patience at the trouble of maintaining a family. The Prophet said, If a man has got three daughters and he spends for their maintenance, God will make paradise sure for him except one whose sin is not pardonable. The harms of marriage. There are three harms of marriage. Number one, lawful earning becomes difficult as a result of marriage. There is in a hadith that if a man earns virtues to the height of a mountain, he shall have to wait near the balance and account will be taken from him of his wealth, of his expenditure, of his maintenance and other matters. The children will say to God on the day of resurrection, O our Lord, take from him the account of his duties towards us. 
he did not teach us what we did not know and he gave us unlawful food to eat without our knowledge take compensation from him for these the prophet said nobody will meet god with a greater sin than the sin of keeping his family members uneducated very few people will get released from this danger very few people will get released from this danger number 2 second harm of marriage is the lack of duty towards family members to lose patience at their character and conduct and not to forbear the hardships inflicted by them the prophet said sufficient for the sin of a man is not to fulfill his duties of maintenance for what he is responsible for he also said the fleeing of a man from his family is like that of a slave from his master his prayers and fast are not accepted until he returns He who neglects to do this duty of maintenance is like a fleeing man even though he pre- remains present. God says save yourselves and your family members from hell. Ibrahim bin Awam raised objection to marrying saying, I do not wish to let any woman do any fault and I have got no necessity for women. Number 3 the third harm of marriage is to keep away the family members and children from the remembrance of God. to encourage them to hoard up wealth and to search for objects of pride and boast whatever thing diverts attention from god is a cause of misfortune whatever thing diverts attention from god is a cause of misfortune ibrahim bin azam said he who keeps sticking to the waist of his wife gets no benefit these are the benefits of benefits and harms of marriage to marry is better or not depends on the character of a man these benefits and harms are by the way of advice and they show the path marriage is good for one who is not diverted from the remembrance of god and the path of honesty and virtue in the contrary case marriage is bad if there is necessity of controlling sexual passion then marriage is necessary Jesus Christ did not marry in spite of his high and lofty position as a prophet. The prophet of God, Rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam, placed in the highest rank amongst men, took several wives and yet he did not forget God even for a moment. Even he used to get revelation at the time when he was in the same bed with his wife Aisha radhiyallahu anha. Rules of marriage. There are some rules marriage There are four conditions of a woman being lawful for a man. Number 1, permission of the guardian is necessary in case of marriage of a minor boy and a minor girl without which the marriage is void. Ruler or his representative is guardian in cases where there is no guardian. Number 2, the consent of the grown-up girl is necessary for her marriage whether she is unmarried or a widow. Number 3, two major witnesses are necessary. they will inform the audience of the girl's consent number 4 proposals and acceptance of the bride and the groom are necessary some rules of marriage proposal of marriage is to be submitted to the guardian of the girl khutba must be recited before marriage along with the proposal and the acceptance the guardian of the girl will say all praises due to god and blessings on the apostle of god i give my daughter in marriage to you 
The bridegroom will say, All praises due to God and blessings on his prophet. I accept her in marriage on this fixed dowry. Number three, the bride should be informed of the condition of the bridegroom. It is better that they should see each other before marriage. Number four, two witnesses are necessary for marriage. Number five, one should have intention to establish sunnah of the prophet by marriage and to seek issues. Number six, it is good to perform it in the month of Shawal. The prophet married Aisha in Shawal and took her in his house in Shawal. Number seven, the bride must be in a pure state at the time of marriage. This means she must not be a wife of another man. It cannot be performed during the period of waiting. She must be not an infidel. She must not be a slave of another man. She must not be within the prohibited degrees of a husband, that is mother, mother's mother, daughter, sister, father, sister, foster mother, foster sister, wife's previous husband, husband's daughter, granddaughter, fifth wife, sister of a wife who is alive, or her mother's sister, a woman who cursed her husband and a woman who is not in ihram state. The following qualifications of the bride must be sought. Number one, religion. The bride should be religious and possess good conduct. This is the main quality of the bride. A man came to the prophet and said, O messenger of God, my wife does not repulse any foreign touch. He said, divorce her. The man said, I love her. The prophet said, then keep her. The prophet said, marry a girl for her wealth, for her beauty, for her qualities and for her religion. You should consider the attribute of her religion. Maybe, may your hands be covered with dust. There is another hadith. He who marries a woman for beauty and wealth is deprived of her beauty and wealth. If a man marries for protection of his religion, God gives him the means of beauty and wealth. God, the Prophet said, don't marry a woman only for her beauty. Perchance her beauty will cause of her ruin. Don't marry her only for her wealth. Perchance her wealth will make her disobedient. Marry her only for her religion. He laid a great stress on religious habits as such a wife becomes a helper in religion. Number two, good conduct. If a wife is harsh and rough and ungrateful, her harms are more than her benefits. One Azdi met Prophet Elias who ordered him to marry and prohibited him to have recourse to monkery. Then he said to Azdi, don't marry four kinds of women. Number one, a woman who always seeks dresses without any reason. Number two, a woman who boasts before other women regarding her wealth and her riches. Number three, a woman who is a sinner and unchaste and who has got friends. God says of such women, don't marry such women who take friends secretly. Number four, a woman who takes pride before her husband with haughty words. Ali bin Abu Talib said, there are some conducts which are bad for a male but good for a female. Miserliness, pride and cowardice. When a woman is miser, she protects her wealth and her husband's wealth. When a woman is proud, she becomes soft and rejects doubtful talk. When a woman is coward, she keeps separate from her friends and fears to go to any place of defamation for fear of her husband. 
Number three, beauty. Beauty is also sought of a girl as it saves one from fornication. For this reason, it is mustahab or commendable to see a bride before marriage. The Prophet said, when any of you wishes in his mind to marry a woman, let him look at her as it generates mutual love. The Prophet said, if any of you wishes to marry an Ansar woman, let him look at her as there is nothing in the eyes of the Ansar. Something in the eyes of the Ansar. It is said that they have got yellow color in their eyes. Hazrat Ma Amash said, the result of a marriage which is performed without mutual sight of bride and groom is sorrow and anxiety. Malik bin Dinar said, a man does not marry an orphan girl, but she remains pleased simply with food and clothes and there is less expense of her. The people marry girls of good fortune and wealth, but they demand fine goods and foods and dresses. Ahmad bin Hanbal married a deaf woman, although she had a beautiful although he had a beautiful cousin, he did not wish comforts and pleasures. God says there is they are beautiful and good. He says they look akans, meaning they are loving to the husbands and eager for their company. The Prophet said, Of all your women, the best one is one who gives her husband pleasure when he looks at her. She obeys him when he orders her and protects her body and his properties when her husband remains absent. Number four, dowry. The Prophet said, The best woman is she who is beautiful and whose dowry is little. He prohibited dowry beyond a certain limit and one's capacity. The Prophet gave only 10 dirhams as dowry to some of his wives and some articles of the household. He gave some of them dowry of two muds of wheat or dates or two muds of maize. Some of the compa companions of the Prophet fixed dowry to a piece of gold for their marriage. It is said that it is valued at only 5 dirhams. There is in a hadith that it, there is good in a woman who is given in marriage without delay who gives birth to a child without delay and for whom a small amount of dowry is fixed. One should not marry coveting many goods from the bride. Mutual presents are commendable and signs of love. The Prophet said, give present, it, shall, it will beget mutual love and don't seek too much presence from each other. God says, don't give presents in search of expensive presents, excessive presents. Number five, the bride should not be barren if it is known. The Prophet said, marry lovely and child-bearing child women. Number six, the bride should be virtuous. The Prophet said to Jabir, why have you not married a virgin girl so that you could have played with her and she could have played with you? He married a previously married woman. There are three benefits if a virgin girl is married. She loves her husband, the woman who enjoyed husband is generally addicted to her previous husband. Another benefit is that love of the husband for his wife becomes perfect and the third benefit is that a virgin girl will not have an occasion to grieve for a previous husband. Number seven, she must come from a respectable family. If she comes from a good family, she can educate her children, good manners and good conduct. The Prophet said, choose women for your semen as a vein is like an arrow.
Number eight, bride should not be of a near relative. In that case, sexual passion becomes less. The Prophet said, don't marry a near relative as in that case, a child is born weak. The Prophet said, he who gets his daughters married to a transgressor cuts off his blood tie. Section three, some rules after marriage. The husband shall observe 12 rules after marriage. Number one, the marriage feast is commendable. Anas reported the Prophet once saw yellow color on the body of Abdurrahman bin Auf and said, what is it? He said, I have married a woman in lieu of a piece of gold. He said, may God bless you both, give feast with a goat. When the Prophet married Sophia, he gave a feast with grapes and wheat. The Prophet said, feast on the first day is a duty, feast on the second day is sunnah, and feast on the third day is for show. If a man who does an act for show, God will disgrace him. It is commendable to give blessings to the bridegroom thus. May God unite you both in good. It is commendable to proclaim marriage. The Prophet said, distinguish between lawful and unlawful things by proclamation or marriage by beating duff. He said, proclaim the marriage and perform it in the mosque and beat duff for it. Number two, the husband should treat well with this wife. God says, treat them with kindness. God says, in the fulfillment of their duties, I have taken a solemn oath from you. The prophet gave three instructions at the time of his death. Soon after that, his tongue was closed and his words stopped. He was saying, salah, salah, prayer, prayer. Don't inflict trouble on one whom your right hand possesses beyond his capacity. And about your women, they are prisoners in your hands. You have taken them as trusts of God and you have made their private parts lawful with the words of God. The Prophet said, If a woman, if a man keeps patience at the ill treatment of his wife, God will give him rewards like the rewards of Ayyub, which God gave him for the patience in disaster. If a woman keeps patience at the ill-treatment of her husband, God will give her rewards, like the rewards God gave to Asiya, the wife of Fir'aun. To have patience at the time when the wife gets angry and when she gives trouble is following the Prophet in good treatment with her. It is not merely to restrain oneself from inflicting troubles on the wife. The wives of the Prophet at time argued with the Prophet once, a wife of the Prophet placed her hand on the chest of the Prophet and gave him a push. At this, her mother rebuked her. The Prophet said, leave her as she does more than this. Once, there was an altercation between the Prophet and Aisha when they found Abu Bakr as their judge. Aisha said to the Prophet, you speak but don't speak except for the truth. At this, Abu Bakr gave her a slap that blood began to ooze from her mouth. He then said, O enemy, will he speak but the truth? Then she took refuge to the Prophet. Number three, make play and sports with the wife after bearing hardships given by her. This gives pleasure to the wife. The Prophet used to cut jokes with his wife and come down to the level of their intelligence in their manual labors. The Prophet ran races with Aisha. One day Aisha won the race and on another day the Prophet won it and said, This is revenge for that day. The Prophet said, The most perfect believer in faith is the one who is best to 
best of them in good conduct. The Prophet said, the best of you is one who treats the best with his wife amongst you. Umar ibn al-Khattab, in spite of his sternness, said, stay in the house with your wife like a boy. When the wife demands things from her husband, he should treat her, he should treat like a man. Luqman said, a wise man should live in his house like a boy and when he stays amongst people, he should stay like a man. There is it, a hadith, Qudsi, God dislikes a man who is stern to his family and self-conceited. The Prophet said to Jabir, have you not found a virgin to marry? You could have played with her and she could have played with you. A desert woman described her husband after his death. By God, he was found of sports and when there was darkness, he remained silent. Number four, don't sport with the wife so much that her conduct is ruined and fear goes out of her mind, but take to a middle course. Don't give up your habit, your duties and strike some sort of fear in her mind at the time of doing evils. Umar bin Khattab said, act opposite to women as they are blessings in opposing them. Someone said, take advice from them but act on the contrary. The Prophet said, he who becomes a slave of a woman is ruined. He said for this reason that if a husband acts according to the wishes of his wife, he becomes her slave and is thus ruined as God has made him her master. The right of a husband is that the wife should follow him and the husband should not follow her. God termed the husbands as maintainers of women and husbands as masters. God says both Zulekha and Yusuf found the master, the husband of Zulekha, near the door. Imam Shafi'i said, If you honor these kinds, three kinds of men, they will disgrace you and if you disgrace them, they will honor you. Wife, servant and nabati. Evils and little intelligence are strong over them. The Prophet said, The example of a religious woman amongst general women is that of a crow with a white belly amongst a hundred crows. Luqman advised his son, O dear son, fear unchaste women as she will make you grow old before you grow old. Fear the harms of women as they do not call towards the good. Be aware of the unchaste women. The Prophet said, Seek refuge to God from three calamities. An unchaste wife, which will make you old before you get old. In another narration, if you go to her, she will rebuke you. If you don't go to her, she will be treacherous to you. When the Prophet fell seriously ill and could not come out of the mosque for prayers, he said to Abu Bakr to lead the prayer. Aisha said, the mind of my father is soft. When he will find your place vacant, he will be perturbed. The Prophet said, when you prevent Abu Bakr to lead the prayer, you have swayed towards your low desires being misguided from the right path. When the wives of the Prophet disclose the secret talks of the Prophet, God says, if both of you make repentance to God, he will unite your hearts. He said this regarding good wives. The Prophet said, no nation prospers over whom a woman rules. Number five, take middle course in case of anger. Don't make excesses in inquiring into their secret matters. The Prophet prohibited following the secrets of women. In another narration, he prohibited to go suddenly to them. Once the Prophet returned with his companions from a journey to Medina and said to them, 
Tonkoti arrives this night suddenly. Two of them went to their wives without paying heed to the Prophet's words and found disagreeable things inside the house. There is a famous hadith. A wife is like a crooked bone by the side of her husband. If you go to make her straight, it will break. If you leave it as it is, it will be more crooked. It is said for her correction. The Prophet said, There is an action in anger which God hates. To get angry at the wife without entertaining any doubt, as it is included within bad conjecture which has been prohibited. Some conjecture is sin. Ali bin Abu Talib said, Don't get angry at your wife except evils may come out. To disclose guilts in proper place is necessary as it is praiseworthy. The Prophet said, God has got wrath and a believer has also got wrath. God has got wrath when a servant commits an unlawful thing. The Prophet said, Do not wonder at the anger of Saad. By God, I am more wrathful than him and God is more wrathful than me. For God's wrath, he has made unlawful both open and secret indecencies. The Prophet said, I was taken to paradise in the night of Miraj. I found a palace there. I asked, For whom is this palace? It was said that it was for Umar ibn al-Khattab. I wished to see Umar therein and remembered his anger. Umar wept and said, O Messenger of God, why should I be angry with you? The Prophet said, There is such anger which God loves and such anger which God hates. There is such pride which God loves and some pride which God hates. The anger which God loves is the anger at things of doubt. And anger which God hates is the anger at things beyond doubt. The pride which God loves is the pride is the pride at the time of jihad and self-conceit of a man at the first advent of danger. The pride which God hates is the pride at a useless thing. The Prophet once asked Fatima, which thing is good for women? She said she should not look at another man and another man should not look at her. The Prophet drew her close to him and said, This daughter is worthy, worthy issue of a worthy father. He considered her reply as good. Umar ibn al-Khattab issued order, The female will stay within their houses if they dress well. He said, Habituate your women to stay within their houses. The Prophet once issued an order to the women to be present inside the mosque. Aisha said if the Prophet, after his death, would have seen the condition of women, he would have prohibited them to go out. The Prophet gave permission to women to come out for Eid. Number 6. Just expense. Don't make your hand of expense narrow in case of women, nor spread it, but keep a balance between the two. God says, eat and drink, but do not be extravagant. God says, don't make your hand tied to your neck and nor spread it out to the utmost. The Prophet said, the best of you is the best to his wife. The Prophet said, the best and reward of what you have spent in the way of God for the poor and for your wife is what you spend for your wife. Someone said, Ali had four wives. He used to buy meat every four days or for one dirham for each of his wives. Ibn Sirin said, it is commendable to give feast every week for family members. Number seven, the husband will teach his wife religious matters as all men have been given orders to save the members of their families from hell. The God says, save yourselves and your family members from hellfire. 
So, teach religious learnings, articles of faith, and all questions of the religion is necessary. Number eight, if there is more than one wife, a husband should met out equal treatment to them. If the husband wishes to take one wife with him in journey, he should select her by casting lottery as the prophet used to do. The prophet said if a, it is a man has got two wives and he is inclined more to one, he will appear on the day of judgment with his limbs crooked. Spending nights and giving presents to both of them must be equal, but equal love is not necessary as the mind cannot be divided equally. God says you will not be able to treat equally amongst your wives though you desire. The prophet said, prophet used to divide the nights equally amongst his wives and said, O oh God, this is my effort. Do not make me responsible for what is beyond my power and capacity and what is in your power and not within my power. The prophet loved Aisha more than his other wives and his other wives knew it. Number nine, appoint two judges from the side of the husband and the wife to arbitrate between them in the case of a dispute. If they have got willingness to settle, God will settle between them. The wife should be separated gradually and not at once. At first, she should be given advice. If she does not bear fruit, she should be separated from the bed. If she does not, this should be done for one to three nights. If she does not bear fruit, Beat her mildly, but don't inflict physical torture on her. Don't shed her blood or slap her on her face. The prophet was once asked about the rights of a wife over her husband. He said, if a husband eats, he shall give her food. If a husband puts on cloth, he shall give her clothes. Don't change her face, but beat her mildly without causing any wound and do not leave her except in the house. She usually spends the nights, gets angry at her for not observing her religious duties and for this be separate from them for up to 10 to even 30 days. The Prophet once remained absent from his wife for one month. Rules of Sexual Intercourse Number 10 At the beginning of sexual intercourse, take the name of God by reciting Bismillah and read Takbir and Tahleel after chapter Ikhlas and say, O oh God, if you take out semen from my back and make it a good child, the Prophet said, if one of you comes to your wife, let him say, O oh God, save me from the devil and save the devil from what you have provided us. The result is that the devil will not be able to injure the child that is born of such intercourse. Don't face the Kaaba at the time of intercourse and cover your body and the body of your wife. The Prophet used to cover his head, shut up his mouth and say to his wife, Take peace. There is an hadith, when any of you comes to his wife, let him fall sudden, let him not fall suddenly upon her, but let him speak words of love and kiss each other. The Prophet said, Let none of you fall suddenly upon his wife, like a lower animal. Let him send messenger before cohabitation. Someone asked, What is a messenger? The Prophet said, Kiss and words of love. The Prophet said, in three matters, the weakness of a male is expressed. Firstly, if a lover meets his beloved, both separating without inquiring about their mutual condition and health. Secondly, not to return honor if it is not shown to him or not to do any benefit. Thirdly, to cohabit with wife or female without talking with her or without kissing her. 
and to be unable to restrain the ejaculation of his semen before that of the semen of his wife. It is not commendable to cohabit with the wife on the first, middle and the last days of the lunar month. It is commendable to cohabit on Friday night. When his semen comes out, let him keep his body some time upon her breasts till her semen comes out as her semen comes out late. It is painful for her to be separated from her husband when her sexual passion rises high. A young husband should cohabit with his wife once in four days. To keep the character of his wife, it may be increased or decreased. To cohabit with wife at the time of her menstruation is not lawful. It is, however, lawful to enjoy her without sexual intercourse. God says, come to your fields where, where you wish. It is also allowed to sleep with her during this time. Number 11. Birth control. It is the rule of cohabitation that the semen should not be thrown out of the uterus as with God's decreed must come to pass. The prophet also said so. There are differences of opinion amongst learned men regarding ajal, which means throwing out the semen not in the uterus but outside it. One party said that ajal is lawful under all circumstances and another party said that it is unlawful under all circumstances. Another party said that there is that with the consent of the wife it is lawful. Another party said that in case of female slaves it is lawful and not in the case of free women. To, to us, the custom of ajal is lawful, but it is not commendable for the reason that the merits of throwing out the semen in the uterus were given up. For instance, it is makru and not commendable if a person sits idle in the mosque without remembering God. The object is that not to do a thing for which it is intended is makru. The Prophet said, if a man cohabits with his wife, the reward of producing a child is written for him. Such a child becomes a martyr fighting in the way of God. He said, this is the consideration of reward because if a child is born like this, he will get rewarded for producing a cause in the way of God. It is possible if the semen is thrown into the uterus. Birth control by Ajal is lawful as supported by Qiyas or inference from the Quran. Though there is no clear verse regarding this, yet it can be gathered therefrom by inference. It is this. It is not unlawful to give up marriage or to give up sexual intercourse after marriage or to give up ejaculation of semen after sexual intercourse. It is true that rewards are given up on these actions, but absence of these actions is not unlawful. There is no difference in these three things. A child born after semen is thrown into the uterus. Before it, there are four stages. Number one, to marry. Number two, to cohabit. Number three, then to have patience to eject the semen after intercourse. Number four, then to throw semen into the uterus and then to stay in that condition till semen is settled in the uterus. The life of a child coming into existence has got four stages. Number one, semen in the uterus should be mixed with the female ova. If both are mixed, it is sin to destroy it. There is no sin if they are not allowed to mix. Number two, if it is created into a clot of blood and a lump of flesh, it is more hateable to destroy it. Number three, if the life is uninfused into this lump of flesh, it is most hateable to destroy it. Number four, the last limit of sin is to destroy the child when it is born. 
If the male semen is mixed with the blood of menaces of a woman, it is condensed. As when something is mixed with milk, milk is condensed. It is just like proposal and acceptance which constitute an agreement or contract. Both things are necessary for a contract. If there is a proposal but no, accept no acceptance, there is no sin in breaking it. The ejaculation of semen is like a proposal and it is throwing into the uterus is like acceptance. If it is thrown outside, the proposal is lost. There is no sin in this. Therefore, to throw the semen outside the uterus before it is mixed up with this female ova is not a sin. Question. If there is no sin in throwing the semen outside the uterus, still it is bad as an object of semen is to produce a child and if it is not done, it is a secret shirk. There are four. Okay, the question again. If there is no sin in throwing the semen outside the uterus, still it is bad as the objective of semen is to produce a child and if it is not done so, it is secret shirk. Is that correct? There are four objects of Ajal. Number one, to preserve the beauty and health of the wife and thus to enjoy her always. If the semen is destroyed with these objectives, it is not unlawful. Number two, to prevent birth of too many children, it is not unlawful. To maintain too many children is very difficult. The verse of God guaranteeing maintenance of all creatures means perfection of God reliance and perfection of merits and rewards. But it is not a sin to give up the highest stage of merits just as it is not a sin to protect wealth and properties and to hold up for a limited period. This is the meaning of the following verse of God. There is no animal in the earth of which maintenance is not upon God. Number three, to take birth control for the fear at the birth of daughters. This is unlawful. The Arabs before Islam used to bury their daughters alive and they feared the birth of daughters. It is prohibited by the Quran. If with the above objective, marriage or sexual intercourse is given up, it is like committing a sin. But these actions simply without that objective are not sinful. If the semen is thrown not into the uterus with the above objective, it will be a sin. Number four, to protect the honor of women, to keep her neat and clean and to save her from maintaining children. To throw semen outside the uterus in with these objectives is unlawful. If you question that the prophet said, he who gives up marriage for the fear of childbirth is not of us. The answer is that to do ajal is like not to marry and meaning of he is not us is that of our sunnah or our way is better. The Prophet said there is a secret murder in ajal and he therefore thereafter recited this verse. When those buried alive will be asked as to which the sin they were killed. The answer to the above verse is that this is an authentic hadith about the legality of ajal. Secret murder in the above hadith means secret shirk. It is makru and not unlawful. Ali bin Abu Talib said, Life comes into being after seven stages. Then he read this verse, I have created man from dried clay, then I placed in it a semen in its resting place, then I created semen into a clot of blood, then a clot of blood into a lump of flesh, then a lump of flesh into bones, and then the bones covered with flesh, and then... I created it into another creation. In another word, I infused in it life. Then he recited this verse. When one buried alive will be asked for what fault he was murdered. This is a Sahih Bukhari and Muslim that Jabir said. We used to practice Ajr at the time of the Prophet and the Quran was not and was being revealed. When this news reached us, the Prophet did not prohibit us from it. 
There is another hadith reported by Jabir. A man came to the Prophet and said, I have got a slave girl. She serves me and gives water to my trees. I cohabit with her, but I do not wish for her to conceive. The Prophet said, Practice Ajal with her if you wish, but what has been decreed must come to pass. Then after some time, the man came to the Prophet and said, The slave girl has conceived. The Prophet said, What has been decreased, decreed must come to pass. This is in Sahih Bukhari and Muslim. Number 12. If the child is born, five rules should be observed. Number one, it is not good to be pleased with the birth of a son or displeased with the birth of a daughter. The Prophet said, if a man has got a daughter, teach her good manners, give her food and give charity to her out of what God has given you. She becomes the cause of fortune for him and makes the path of paradise easy for him after saving him from hellfire. The Prophet said, if a man has got two daughters or sisters and teaches them good manners up to their marriage, he and I will be in paradise like these two fingers. The Prophet said, if a Muslim goes to the market, purchases something and after returning home, gives it first to his daughters and not to his sons, God will look at him and God will not punish one to whom he will look. The Prophet said, if a man takes a good thing for him, his family from the market, its rewards are like those of charity. He should first give it to the hand of his daughter and then to his son. He who incurs pleasure of his daughter will get the rewards of weeping in the fear of God. If a man weeps for the fear of God, God makes his body unlawful for hell. The prophet said, if a man has got three daughters or sisters and keeps patience at the loss by supplying their demands, God will admit him in paradise. The man asked him, O messenger of God, if a man has got two, he said, even if he has got two. The man again asked him, if he has got one, he said, even if he's got one. Second, to give azan at the, to the ears of the child. The father of Rafi said, I have seen the prophet proclaiming azan in the ears of Hassan when he was born. The prophet said, give azan to the right ear of the newly born child and give iqama in the left ear. When the child begins to talk, teach him, La ilaha illallah, this should be his first words. On the seventh day, make circumcision of the male organ. Give good names to the child. Number three, the Prophet said, When you give good names, give, when you give names, give names of slavery. He said, The best names are Abdullah and Abdurrahman. He said, Name according to the names of God and do not give surnames according to my surnames. The Prophet said, Don't Unite my name and my surname. The Prophet said, On the resurrection day you will be called by your names and the names of your father. Number four. Two goats for a son and one goat for a daughter should be sacrificed, which is called aqiqa. There is no harm if one goat is sacrificed for a son. It is sunnah to give in charity gold or silver the weight of the hair of the child. The Prophet ordered Fatima to shave the head of Hussein on the seventh day and to give silver after weighing his hair. Number five, besmear the vertex of the child's head with dates or sweet things. Asma said, Hazrat Abdullah bin Zubair was born at Kuba. When he was brought before the Prophet, he prayed for him and besmeared dates on his body. He then threw some of his saliva into his mouth. Then he besmeared dates on the scalp of his head and prayed for him. He was the first child that was born in Islam.
divorce divorce is lawful but of all lawful things it is the most detestable to god god says if they obey you don't seek ways regarding them if your father dislikes her give her divorce ibn umar said i loved my wife very much but my father umar did not like her when he ordered me to divorce her i informed it to the prophet he said o ibn umar divorce her this shows that duty towards the father is greater god says don't drive her out of your house till she does indecent action openly god says there is no fault in getting release on the payment of wealth the prophet said if a woman seeks divorce from her husband without any reason she will not get the fragrance of paradise another narration paradise is unlawful on her in another narration the prophet said the women who seeks divorce are hypocrites four matters at the time of divorce number 1 the husband will divorce the wife in her pure state and not at the time of menstrual discharge umar ibn al-khattab divorced his wife at the time of menstrual discharge the prophet said to umar tell him to take her back and keep her till her discharge ends thereafter she will have monthly menses and she will be pure then he may divorce her and ta- or take her back this is the period of waiting which god has ordered number 2 don't unite three divorces at a time if he is repentant within the period of waiting she may be taken back number 3 after divorce give maintenance to the wife and presents this is compulsory on the husband number 4 don't disclose the secrets of a wife at the time of divorce there is such prohibition in authentic hadiths duties of a wife towards her husband if a wife wants to enjoy her body she should not refuse the prophet said if a wife of a man dies while he is pleased with her she will enter paradise the prophet said when a woman prays five times a day fasts on the month of ramazan saves her private parts and obeys her husband she will enter paradise of her lord the prophet said about women they bear children give birth to children show affection to children even though they do not come to their husbands they will enter paradise they will enter paradise if they pray the prophet said i peeped into hell and found that majority of its inmates are women it was asked why o messenger of god he said they take recourse to much cursing and deny relatives there is in another hadith i peeped into paradise and found there were few women there i asked where are the women he said two things of reddish color stood as a stumbling block against them gold and zafran ornaments and dresses once a girl came to the prophet and asked i don't want to get married the prophet said yes get married and it's better a woman of khamsan tribe once came to the prophet and asked him i want to marry but what are the rights of the husband he said when he wants her she will not refuse even though she remains on a camel's back she will not give anything of his house in charity without his permission if she does it she will commit a sin and her husband will get her rewards she will not keep optional fast without his permission if she does it and becomes hungry and thirsty it will not be accepted from her if she goes out of the house without his permission the angels curse him till she returns to his house and till she repents the prophet said if i would have ordered any one to prostrate before another i would have ordered the woman to prostrate before her husband 
and as the duties towards him are many, prostration means sujood. The Prophet said, if when a man stays within her house, when a woman stays within her house, she becomes more near to God, her prayer in the courtyard of her house is more meritorious than her prayer in the mosque. Her prayer in the room is better than her prayer in the courtyard. The Prophet said a woman is like a private part. When she comes out, the devil holds her, th- her high. There are ten private parts of a woman. When she gets married, her husband keeps one private part covered. And when she dies, the grave covers other parts. The duties of a wife towards her husband are many. Two of them are essentially necessary. First is to preserve chastity and to keep secret the words of her husband. And second is to not demand unnecessary things and to refrain from unlawful wealth which her husband earns. Number two, don't spend extravagantly the properties of your husband but protect them. The Prophet said it is not, it is not lawful to give in charity the food of his house without his permission but give such ready food as would be spoiled. Asma said to her daughter at the time of marriage, You are now going to spend such as life where you shall have to live long and you are going to bed of such a person with whom you have got no acquaintance. You are going to love one with whom you had no love before. Make for him such a world which will be heaven for you Prepare for him such a bed which will be a pillar for you. Be such a slave for him that he might be your slave. Don't go willingly to him except you become to him an object of hatred. Don't remain far from him except he may forget you. When he remains near you, be near him. When he stays distant from you, save your ears, nose and eyes. Let him not get from you except a sweet smile let him not hear from you except sweet words let him not see you except beauty number three she should engage herself in good works in the absence of her husband and make enjoyment in the presence of her husband the prophet said if a woman inflicts trouble on her husband the black-eyed hoor says don't inflict trouble on him may god destroy you he now he is with you Fortunes, he will leave you soon and come to us. Number four, don't express sorrow for more than four months and ten days when your husband dies. The prophet said, It is not lawful for a woman who believes in God and the next world to grieve for more than three days, except in the case of death of her husband, for whom she should grieve for four months and ten days. She should stay in her husband's house during this time. Number five, she should do all household affairs to her utmost capacity. Jazakallah khair. Wassalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.